Merry Christmas. For those who are liturgically minded, Christmas is actually a season in the church, and it's not just because of the song. There are 12 days in that season, ending on January 6th, which is Epiphany. So it's fitting that we get another side of the Christmas story this morning, the story of Jesus at eight days old. At eight days, uh, it was required by Jewish law for a child, a male, to be circumcised and then brought to the temple where they were formally named and they were offered a blessing. And that's exactly what is depicted in our gospel story. But Mary and Joseph meet a couple of interesting people on the way to fulfilling the law. They meet Simeon, who is said to be righteous and devout, and Anna, who is a prophet. And in their encounter with the Holy Family, with Mary, Joseph, and eight-day-old Jesus, they offer these powerful prophetic words about who Jesus is, what God is up to, and what that path will lead to, not only for Jesus, but for the world. Now, I tend to think, as particularly how the Gospel of Luke lays out, that what is being painted in chapter 2 and chapter 1 of the Gospel of Luke is what I'm going to call a Holy Spirit conspiracy. Now, the word conspire literally means to breathe with. So it's when you get in contact and you start breathing together the same kind of plan. And so the Holy Spirit brought a whole cast of people together to make it very clear, not just to Mary and Joseph, but to anyone who's paying attention, that God is up to something big. And there's some clear parallels with this Simeon and Anna to what we heard a few weeks ago with Zechariah and Elizabeth. So let's just remind ourselves of how the Holy Spirit uh, worked throughout all of these narratives to lead us where we are today. Zechariah was a priest, and upon his appointed day, he, he is chosen to go to the temple and to lead worship, a very high honor. And while he's there the Holy Spirit conspires to send the angel Gabriel to say to Zechariah that his prayers have been answered and that they are going to have a son. And the son is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and he's going to prepare people for the Messiah. And you should name him John. Six months later, after Elizabeth is pregnant and presumably showing, Mary shows up to her cousin Elizabeth's house, and the angel Gabriel, once again, the Holy Spirit brings all of this together, shows up and says to Mary, you too will have a child because the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will name your child Jesus, which means he saves and then from that inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Mary speaks and sings the Magnificat about how the lowly will be brought high and the high will be brought low, and that how God has found favor with her for the purpose of blessing the world. And so 
Mary and Joseph then have the angels come and the shepherds and all of this amazing thing. So like if, you know, God doesn't send signals subtly is one conclusion you could draw from this story. That it's pretty obvious. You got the angels singing, the shepherds showing up. We'll get to the wise men next week. But that's in the Gospel of Matthew. But all of this comes together and it's sort of like, yes, it's very important for Mary and Joseph to understand who this child is, how this child has come to be, and we're gonna, God is like, I'm gonna send more people into your life, even for a moment, to reaffirm this message. And so what does Simeon do? The Spirit somehow moves Simeon, this righteous and devout man, I think that's an important note, that he is in tune with God, sends Simeon to the temple, and if you read the text again, it really says that Simeon basically snatches the child from his parents and speaks the word of blessing. It says, Master, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for I have seen the Messiah. Simeon had been waiting. If you remember a few weeks ago in the season of Advent, the word was to stay awake, be alert. Be ready, for you never know when the Messiah is coming. And so that's what Simeon had been doing his whole life. He'd been waiting, and he had a vision from the Spirit that says, you will not see death until you physically see the Messiah. And so he sees eight-day-old Jesus and says, Lord, you may dismiss your servant in peace, for through this child will come salvation and a light will be revealed for the Gentiles and for the whole world and for God to be given the glory. Can you imagine being Mary or Joseph or even someone randomly on the steps of the temple and you see this man holding this child and blessing the child and praising God in such a powerful way? This is not subtle. But then Simeon, and by the way, the prophet Anna, we don't have her exact words captured in Scripture, but she does the very same thing. She sees the Christ child. She too has been waiting for the redemption of Israel, and she sees Jesus, and she praises God, and she speaks this truth, which is very important for Mary and Joseph to hear, but also important for, the, for everyone to understand the importance of Jesus' birth. But Simeon also offers a a kind of blessing to Mary that not only indicates that Simeon understands the Messiah is born, but that Jesus as Messiah is going to take a different path than people expect him. One of the expectations about the Old Testament uh, painting of the Messiah is the Messiah would come and restore the kingdom of David and would rule in an earthly kind of way. At least that's what they hoped for. But what Simeon says to Mary, says this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel. This child will be a sign to be opposed. This child will reveal the inner thoughts of many This child will be like a sword that pierces your own soul. 
the ministry of Jesus is not one that everyone is going to take joy over. So we know on Christmas we celebrate baby Jesus, but baby Jesus grows up. Baby Jesus has a ministry, and it's liberating, and it's gospel power, but it's also one that ruffles people's feathers. Can you imagine having all of your inner thoughts revealed? That's what Jesus does. And so ultimately, Mary's heart will be pierced because Jesus' journey doesn't stop at the manger, it goes to the cross. And so as much of a blessing as this eight-day-old child will be for Mary and Joseph, his path leads him to the cross where he will suffer for us. And it will pierce Mary's soul. It's a prophetic, powerful word from Simeon and Anna. An oracle of sorts. But I'm caught also by the power of the words we speak. Particularly the words we speak to children. Now, I don't expect that Jesus at eight days old will remember the words that Simeon and Anna spoke to him. Certainly Mary and Joseph will remember, and I'm guessing they would recount those exact words that were spoken to their son. That's why we have it in Scripture. Somebody remembered. It's very memorable. But I want you to think about the words that maybe were spoken to you when you were a child. Things that you've held on to. Perhaps a loved one or a teacher spoke something positive of you and you've held on to it. Or, of course, the reverse is also true, that someone said something to you that was negative and you've never forgotten it. I had a teacher in fourth grade uh, who said, you'll never be a good, you'll never be as good of an artist as your mother. My mother is a professional watercolorist, and uh, I used to draw uh, my own little cartoons. And she saw my drawings and, and made, she was not a very nice person. Um, but I quit art at that point. I never wanted to draw or do anything artistic after that, because the words somehow penetrated, and I never forgot it. But then I think about the positive things that people said. My pastor said wonderful things, and he never quite said, Ben, you're going to become a pastor. He actually told me I'd become a bishop. I'm like, nope, no thank you. But think about the thing, think about when we say to a child, you can be anything you want to be. There's no limit. But maybe even more powerfully, because one of the things that we see with Simeon and Anna is they don't just say to Mary and Joseph, your son is blessed and a gift from God. They say, your son is destined for the rising and falling of Israel. Your son is the salvation of humanity. So think of the power, of, let's just focus on the positive. Think about the power of knowing someone in your life, a child or a young person, knowing them well enough to say, I think you would be a great teacher because you have such a great heart for learning and, and kids. Or you should think about becoming a doctor. Those words 
have power to lift someone up, to see in someone a gift, a talent, an opportunity. Our words have power, just as the words of Simeon and Anna have power, and they carry weight. We should be mindful of the words that we speak. But in today's story, the most powerful word that Simeon and Anna speak is that they see not just the son of Mary and Joseph, but the son of God. That Jesus is the son of God. And from our first reading, we see because Jesus is the son of God, And because of his death and resurrection, by adoption, Galatians says, we too share in that inheritance. We too are children of God. We too have this naming that whatever the world might say about you, positively or negatively, the most important thing that is said about you is that you are a child of God, that you are loved that you are cherished, that your identity is made firm and final as a child of God, heirs of the promise through Christ's death. So we enjoy Christmas, the presents, the family, the food, the gatherings, have a wonderful, safe New Year's, but remember the gift of Christ coming into this world that makes all the difference, and we give glory and thanks to God. Amen.